The Biden administration has released millions of illegal immigrants into the USA, and that doesn't include God only knows how many gotaways. Sheriff Mark Lamb joins me with the border state breakdown. Then he's a veteran, a former Army Ranger, former NFL baller, and current candidate to represent Arkansas in the U.S. Senate. Jake, Be Jake Beckett joins me in Nashville. Then, last but not least, my final thoughts. That's all ahead, and it starts now. Two million plus. That's the number of illegals who have crossed into our country in the last year. If you're wondering, that's more than the individual populations of South Dakota, North Dakota, Wyoming, Montana, and Biden's home state of Delaware. Oh, and that doesn't include the gotaways that, as the name implies, sneaked in under the radar. Though, thanks to Joe, it isn't tough given the wide-open free-for-all he still dares to call a border. This isn't just a crisis. This is an invasion, plain and simple. But since Joe and pals won't do anything about it, governors have had to step up, like Texas Governor Greg Abbott, who has been cleverly bussing illegals into blue cities such as New York and D.C. It may have started as just a publicity stunt, but it seems to be sending a strong message these mayors can no longer ignore. Turns out they love illegal immigration so long as said illegals aren't overrunning their cities, shelters, infrastructure, and backyards. But leave it to the worst White House press secretary of all time, KJP to accuse Republicans of using illegal immigrants as political pawns. Uh, and I said this before, I said this last week about Republicans using migrants uh, as a political tool, uh, and that is shameful and that is just wrong. Uh, there is a process in place for managing migrants at the border. This is not it, what they're doing currently. So what Republicans are doing, the way that they're meddling in the process and using uh, migrants as a political pawn is just wrong. What is that process, KJP, to inundate border cities and states with hundreds of thousands of illegals? So, KJP, you think these now millions of illegal immigrants should be able to cross our borders and live in our shadows, right? So perhaps Governor Abbott is really just doing you a favor and spreading the love. You're welcome. But here with his take on that and more is Arizona Sheriff Mark Lamb. Sheriff, thank you so much for being with me. Uh, I know that you're in a border state, and like all border states, and really the United States as a whole, you know, you're seeing the inundation really happen here. What's going on in Arizona? Well, it's a disaster, Tommy, and thanks for having me on and bringing light to this subject. I think it's the most important issue that we're dealing with here in America. It's the most destructive to our country, and I'm sure we'll talk about some of the reasons why it's so destructive. But yeah, we're facing, we're right here in the belly of the beast here in Arizona, and uh, like you had mentioned, it's funny, it's all fun and games for the majority of Americans, especially those uh, uh, liberal Americans in other states that are not necessarily impacted in such a huge way like we are in Arizona and Texas. But as soon as Mayor Bowser and, and uh, Adams got a taste, a small taste, I might add, of what it's like, they were crying foul. And uh, it was all fun and games while it was happening to us. But as soon as they were impacted, now it's a problem for them. What's weird to me is they are so against remain in Mexico, but they're fine with remain in Arizona, remain in Texas, remain in all the border cities and border states. They're fine with that, just not remain in Mexico. What do you think about the busing, though? Do you, I think it really did start as maybe a publicity stunt, but it's a publicity stunt that is actually moving the needle. And I think the solution to all of this might be just to get more buses and just keep on doing it. Do you think that that's going to happen and that's the plan? Well, I think that it started off from a think tank of people saying, how do we fix this problem? How do we let the American people know the, the, just the, how bad the problem is? 
And I thought, look, I'm not all about busing illegals all over the country just because those cities in Washington, D.C., even though if I don't I don't like their politics, it's still an American city. So I still care about those cities. But this was a great way for them to actually get a sense of exactly how big the problem is and that it impacts us down here on the uh, in Texas, Arizona. And it's it shouldn't be a, a red and a blue issue. This is a red, white and blue issue. This is an American issue. This isn't about immigration. It's about human trafficking and drug trafficking. And I thought busting those illegals was a perfect way. And clearly it worked because we now have their attention. What do you think the motivation is for allowing this free for all at the border? It's not polling well. You know, they've largely been able to get away with a lot of the American people not really understanding how bad it is. But it's not a political win for them to open up the borders, yet they're not doing anything to mitigate the situation. Obviously, our borders are Kamala, won't even go down and see the crisis. I just, for the life of me, can't figure out why they continue to allow this to happen with absolutely no action to stop to stem the tide. Well, it's not about political hits because clearly they've learned that they can try to just talk their way out of it. Like you saw uh, the, uh, the, the KJP or whatever her name is, talking about how the Republicans are using this as, as a political tool, when in reality, they've been using it as a political tool all the way along, and we're just trying to fix a problem that they have created. This is about, Tommy, this is about undermining America. They said it in 2020 that they were going to reinvent America. I don't know what the rest of America thought, but that set off alarms in my head. Then they start talking, build back better. To do that, you have to destroy what we currently have so you can build it the way you want to build it. And by undermining the rule of law, which is flooding our country with people that are here illegally, um, people that are going to just be a, a weight on our systems our, our, that we have in place here in America, you're overwhelming the court systems on the federal level and in many places on the state level. So this is about undermining America, and they're willing to take the political hits and their philosophy is we'll just try to talk our way out of it and convince the American people that it's it's not what they see. This is a Jedi mind trick. Well, it's um, a gaslight. They're just it's trying a, to convince us. Yeah, it's yeah. a giant gaslight. But I have a theory I want to share with you. Uh, I don't think it's a real controversial theory. I think it's a very thinly veiled attempt to maybe distract from it. But to me, it's clear as day. What I think the Democrats are trying to do is get as many illegal immigrants into this country as possible, and then in order to give them the voting rights and to give them all the other perks and privileges of being an American, I believe that they're going to not only give them amnesty and voting rights, but I believe that the way they're going to sell this to the American people is, look, we got a worker shortage, guys. we got a worker shortage. We've got millions of people in this country illegally. You know, maybe we should just allow them to stay, give them amnesty so that they can work. I think that the two things that are happening in our country that people are upset about, the illegal immigration invasion and the worker shortage and the supply chain issues, I think they're going to bring both of those two together, and it's all in the name of votes. But it's a way to sell it to the American people. Do you think that could possibly be happening? No, oh, absolutely. I do think that is what they're trying to do. The problem is they're going to real these folks that they're letting in here. A lot of these people come from very conservative values. When they start to get to know what the political system is and the landscape here in America, they're likely going to be conservatives. So then what? Once they realize these people don't espouse their crazy beliefs, are they then going to want them to, to, to be removed from this country? Um, look, it's it's sheer bizarreness what we're living through right now. And I just, sometimes, Tommy, you just can't even make sense of it because you and I are rational thinking people. It would take somebody completely out of their mind to understand what they're trying to do. But I, I definitely don't think you're wrong. 
Yeah, the thing about it, though, is I do think that some of these people will certainly be more conservative at heart. But when they owe being able to stay in this country to the Democrat Party, that's an allegiance. Just like you see the people coming over with Biden shirts on, they know who's bringing them over here. They might be inherently conservative, but they're going to owe the Democrat Party. And the Democrat Party always comes calling for their payback. And I think that that's what we're going to see. But I want to talk about this, too, because you see this every day. I've spent a lot of time at the border, certainly not as much as you have. You see this every day. But I want to talk to those out there who just think that these people are coming across because they just want a better life. That's certainly true. But there's also those that are coming in, particularly the gotaways that are sneaking in under the radar, that are here not to make America great again, but here to bring drugs, to bring crime, and all the other nefarious things they're toting along with them. Can you explain to my audience some of the things that you're seeing in your state? Oh, absolutely. Uh, not everybody that comes to this country has good intentions uh, or good people. I was talking to a congresswoman out of Washington, kudos for her to her for even getting on the phone. And she says, well, what about all the good people coming across, Sheriff? And I said, okay, well, let's say there's 10 people that I'm going to put in your home. Five of them are good and five of them are bad, but I can't tell you which ones they are. Are you going to do that? And she paused, no, no response. I said, the reason you're quiet is because you know that would be crazy for you to do that. I said, let me take it even a step further. Let's say 10 of those people, one of them was bad, but it was a sex offender, a child predator. Um, and I can't tell you which one it is. Are you going to allow those people in your home? No. You're not going to take the risk. Well, my job as a law enforcement person is to stop that one bad person. If I have to stop nine good people to do it, then that's what we're going to do. You know why I'm okay with it? Because we have a piece that we have a plan in place, a process in place that allows people who want to come here to America to make a better life. We have a, pl a plan in place and a process in place that allows them to do that. They are willfully choosing not to follow it. So by definition, they're breaking the law coming into this country. And our job in, in law enforcement is to enforce the rule of law. And so that's what we have to do. But you're right. They're going to they're gonna lean on that and try to play on the emotions of the American people. But the reality is we're seeing a lot of criminals, a lot of convicted uh, criminals, not just in their own countries, here, convicted criminals here that we had to send back that are now coming back in, um, 100 in, in the Yuma County alone that were caught in one month. Well, see, that's what people need to understand is that if there is ever a time for the bad folks to come in, it's when the border is being absolutely inundated by every Tom, Dick and Harry in the world, really. That's when you're going to come in. You're not going to come in when you have a secure border like you did under the Trump administration when you've got Border Patrol agents that are going to be able to apprehend you. You're going to come in when you've got so many people. You've got Border Patrol agents being glorified babysitters. That's when the worst of the worst are going to come in. But even beyond that, what frustrates me, and I know you know this, but this is something that I try to make sure I get out to my, to my liberal friends and the Democrats out there that have disagreements on the immigration process. These people that are coming across to our country illegally they are not just coming across on their own. They have paid up to be there. That border is controlled by criminal organizations in the cartel. You are not just deciding one day that you're going to go ahead and come across the river or you're going to walk across the desert in Arizona. You've paid somebody thousands of dollars and you are enriching the very organizations that are destroying the nations that you're fleeing from. So it's a cycle. So Democrats, by allowing all of this to continue happening, they're putting money in the pockets of the organizations that are destroying other nations. Why is it so hard for liberals to understand that? Because they don't want to understand it. If I try to tell you your bad qualities, you're not going to want to accept it. They don't want to know what their bad qualities are. They don't want to know that they're, they're uh, 
indifference and they're turning a blind eye to this is actually complicit in building up the cartels and allowing them to, to conduct their business, which is human trafficking and drug trafficking. They don't want to accept the fact that they, they share the, the responsibility and the culpability of those women who are raped, eight of 10 women coming across the border that are raped, the children that are being used as pawns and separated from families on the Mexico side of the border and also being raped, the men that are being extorted and forced to carry drugs. And then let's talk about the drugs that are killing American civilian lives every day, poisoning them. Last year, over 100,000 American civilians died. Let me put that into perspective for you. If you were to drop a bomb on the, let's say Phoenix, Arizona, and the cartel dropped a bomb and killed 100,000 people, what would we do as Americans? We'd run roughshod over them. We went to war for 20 years for what happened at 9-11 and not to minimize it or take away from any loss of life, but there was less than 4,000 Americans that died that day. We are losing 100,000 plus Americans every year um, right here in our own country that are being poisoned with fentanyl and other drugs that they've brought into this country. I want to bring up a point that you mentioned as well, because I spent a lot of time in Arizona with Arizona Border, Border Patrol, and they took me to an area in Aravaca that they call the rape tree. And they said, listen, this tree that is out in the middle of the desert, there's not much around it. It's one tree. And we drove by it, and there were bras and underwear hanging all over this tree. And the Border Patrol agents told me this is a known place. This is called the rape tree. And the smugglers will bring these families, these, these women here, these unaccompanied minors. And if they don't give them extra money, then they are raped. Their children are raped what have you. This is a known practice. They are being sexually assaulted. They know that this is likely going to happen, yet they still come. The last thing I want to ask you, and I could talk about this all day, but the last thing I want to ask you is this. Something that really burned me to my very core was after Donald Trump was elected and we had control of government and we watched Republicans sit there and do nothing. We watched Trump have to do everything that he could to try to get that border wall constructed, and we watched him being undermined by Republicans that rode on his coattails into office on the pledge of building the wall and making America great again. I think we're gonna win big in November, but do you have any optimism that Republicans are actually gonna have enough spine this go around to start making some changes? I have optimism in America and that this is God's country, and that's why I have optimism for America, but just being red on a ballot doesn't make, it's not enough. Being a Republican on a ballot is not enough. I'm like you, I don't want more rhinos in there. We don't need that. We need to weed these people out and we need to get people in there that want to serve this country and put America first, who understand the values that this country was built on, um, who understand freedom and, and creating more freedom for the American people, not restricting freedom on a daily basis, and who are immune from the corruption of the lobbyists and that nonsense that's been going on in that swamp in DC for so long. So you're exactly right. I have optimism we will win. I just hope and pray that the men and women being elected have a mandate higher than the ballot box, that they truly do want to see what's great, best for America. and. Uh, uh, not to not to use one that's played out, but to make America great again. We need to do that. And like you, it frustrates me to no end when people get elected on items such as securing the border and then they get into office and do everything. But but Sheriff, thank you for holding the line in Arizona. We hope that we can do some great things, not only as it relates to border security, but also to your elections down there, making sure that things get back to normal and above board and uh, God bless you for everything that you're doing and stay in touch with us and anything else, bring it our way because we want to hear about what's going on in your state. Thank you, Tommy, and thank you for being fearless. Always. God thank bless you so you. much, Sheriff.
All right, still ahead, former Army Ranger and NFL footballer turned conservative candidate for U.S. Senate, Jake Beckett, joins me on set. He's a former Army Ranger, a former defensive end, and he ran to represent his home state of Arkansas. We're hoping that he enters the field of politics once again because we need more common sense conservatives, no more rhinos. But Jake Beckett, thank you for being in Nashville. I hope you have a great time while you're here. Glad to be here. We're going to mix a little business and pleasure because I have to get your take on a few things. You've done it all. You've been in, been in every arena. So I want to start, though, with Taiwan. So everybody's really divided on this and, and Pelosi going to Taiwan. I want to get your thoughts, then I'll give you mine. So I believe the Chinese Communist Party is the number one geopolitical threat to the United States long term. I think the Chinese, they view the 20th century as kind of a lost century and the 21st century as their great opportunity for a resurgence to supplant the U.S. as the global superpower. Um, should the U.S. go all out to defend the island nation of Taiwan, uh, which is in a really indefensible position close to mainland China, I'm not sure. Um, but I think it is kind of ridiculous the, the amount of saber rattling that the Chinese will do um, you know, just for, for one U.S. politician to go visit the island. I mean, they're either a, an autonomous, sovereign nation or they're not. And right. I think the world and China has to make up their mind. Well, China does a lot with propaganda, of course. And so to them, this is very egregious. And it's really the United States putting their finger in the eye of China. I agree with you on China being a political threat. I believe we need to do everything to hold China accountable in many arenas. I just would like to start with holding China accountable for, I don't know, things like COVID, currency manipulation, you know, copyright infringement, uh, intellectual theft, those things like that. Uh, I'm not sure after seeing how much money we've sent over to Ukraine, I'm not sure that the American people have the appetite now to send money, weapons, and support to help defend Taiwan. Well, I'm with you on that. I mean, I, I hate to see American politicians, right and left, beat their chest over defending Taiwan when over the past 30 or 40 years, we've shipped how many millions of domestic manufacturing jobs to China. We've let China manipulate our currency. We've let China steal our intellectual property in the private sector and in the military sphere. So it is super hypocritical to see these politicians beating their, beating their chest over Taiwan and uh, you know, sending someone else's kids to go fight for the Taiwanese independence uh, when they themselves have presided, the Uniparty in D.C. had presided over shipping our sovereignty, our domestic workforce, right. over to China. Right. Well, that's what really bothers me is it's like no more no more taxpayer dollars. We have a, a baby formula shortage here. We've got inflation through the roof. We've got a supply chain crisis. Oh, not to mention our border is being invaded. But please, let's fight for Ukraine and let's fight for Taiwan. I understand that they said, listen, it would be bad if we canceled it now because then it looks like China won. But there's a, a phrase in rap music called knuck if you buck. Well, we're not knucking or bucking, so maybe we should have just shut up on this one and just worry about some of the issues that Americans are worried about instead of the virtue signaling. I feel like that's what this was, and it was Republicans and Democrats doing it. I'm just one of those good old America first type people. And I'm with you, and I think it is encouraging to see that thanks to voices like yours and those in, I guess, alternative conservative media, people are seeing through the D.C. Uniparty's virtue signaling. I mean, I think in generations past on Ukraine, we would be in a major war right now if it weren't for you know, voices like yours, Tucker Carlson's, some of the more, um, you know, against the grain conservatives, Donald Trump, you know, who were saying, wait a minute, like, why are we going all out to protect the sovereignty of places like Ukraine when we can't do it on the southern border? So I, I think people are, they're starting to get it. And whenever you see 
those on the right and the left, um, you know, and the media, when you see all those voices joining in unison on an issue like COVID, like Ukraine, like whatever the next big thing is, that's when Americans, you know, warning lights are starting to flash off. And that's a good thing. So I, I think we're making ground. And I think Taiwan is a good example. I don't think that the people are going to fall for, you know, the, the, the war drums beating again. Yeah, well, it really agitated me when everything was popping off in Ukraine and there were so many Americans who couldn't find Ukraine on a map, but all of a sudden they have Ukrainian flags all over everything. They're like, send money, we need to defend them. It's like, our border is open, maybe focus here first. That bothers me. Yeah, those, those Ukrainian flags are, are quietly being taken down from Twitter and social media bios as we speak. I mean, People stopped caring because Gay Pride Month happened. And now we've got so many other things. I mean, it's always just the circulation of the different flags and virtue signals that companies want to use. And it's all part of the military-industrial complex that you know a lot about. But speaking of the military, I, I follow you on Twitter, and I've seen you tweet a lot about this, and I'm also very passionate about vaccine mandates. Wherever they are, wherever they exist, I think that they're BS, and I hate them. But when it comes to the military, I feel like there haven't been enough Republican leaders and Republican governors even that have stepped up and said, we should not have vax mandates on our service members. That's a great point. And, you know, I will say a year ago, I, I felt like I was alone shouting from the, the rooftops about this. You know, I was saying a year ago, you know, I, I went on you know, national news and was saying, hey, we're going to have a catastrophic recruiting shortfall in our military if we don't get rid of this vaccine mandate. Because not only is the wokeness harming recruiting, hard, uh, hurting the morale of the force, like I talk to guys who are still in the military every single day. I'm sure you know people who mm -hmm. serve in our military. They talk about these things. And all of a sudden, a year later, you fast forward, all these headlines are coming out. Massive recruiting shortfalls, you know, dreaded recruiting shortfalls. Our military is not ready. And we have to get rid of these mandates. Um, you know, it's, it's really sad what's happening to our military force. Um, I think it's one of the most dangerous things that can happen uh, to our country because our military, I mean, look, you know, our economy, our military might, our, our status as the global hegemon is really due to our military prowess. And what you're seeing, I think, you know, generations, I talk to veterans, um, you know, families that have one or two or even three generations of people who served in, in uniform, they're now saying, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to send my kids to serve in the military. You know, I, I, I served, my grandpa served, my great-grandpa served, but my son's not going to join this military. Not under this administration, certainly. No, and, and it's, it's, it's really sad, but it's also dangerous because, you know, the, the, the enemies of our country, they see, they see weakness, and, and they, they smell it like blood in the water. And, you know, I think there's, there's, it's no coincidence that, um, you know, Russia made more aggressive moves in the Ukraine. Uh, China's making more aggressive moves in the South China Sea over Taiwan because they see a weak and feckless administration. Um, and it goes both ways. We have to get rid of these mandates. Red state governors, I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, I, it, 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 it baffles my mind why every red state governor is not following Ron DeSantis's lead and saying, hey, if you're going to, you know, run some of our most patriotic and most effective troops out of the military, then I'm going to start you know, our own force, you know, a state guard that is not under uh, the purview of the federal yep. government, um, where we can put these guys on salary, you know, get them involved in law enforcement, get them involved in a real red state National Guard unit um, that can do what we that has to be done in this country, which is secure our southern border um, and, and you know, d defend against, you know, violent crime and things that are happening inside our own borders. Uh, I want to see more red state governors doing that. Yeah, we have a red state governor here in Tennessee who refuses to do that, even stand up for his own National Guard and their vaccine policy. So it frustrates me. 
I want to talk to you too because I think we're going to have recruitment issues in a lot of areas. In fact, I'm worried that we're not even going to have people to fill jobs like in the vo-technical fields, plumbing, electrical, HVAC, all that stuff, because I look at the younger generations and not only are they lazy and entitled, I don't think that they want to learn those real life skills. And then beyond that, we have a crisis of masculinity now where it's, I'm wondering, you know, if, if there was a draft today, people don't even know what bathroom to use. Right. You know, they don't know what their pronouns are. Do you think that it's going to get worse from here? Do you think that we're going to have some kind of a, a pendulum swinging? People realize how absolutely moronic all this woke stuff is and all this placating to the LGBT free for all identify as potato type environment or where do we go from here? Absolutely. You know, it's I, I do see reasons for hope. I don't want to sound too pessimistic because I do see people in the younger generation, you know, like you, like me, um, like so many other young conservatives, you know, America first patriots around the country who do get it, you know, who haven't been seduced by the mainstream media. They understand how social media works. They understand how to cut through those narratives. Um, but there's a darker side of that, the younger generation, people who have been truly indoctrinated, people who have been brainwashed, um, people who are all in on this uh, you know, truly radical, insane culture that we're in right now. And if you think the boomer generation in leadership is bad, just wait until you see some of these <laughs> truly hardcore leftists who are still in elementary school, middle school, high school, who are in college right now. Imagine what they're going to be like when they're in power. I mean, look at Cori Bush, look at AOC, you know, look at some of these hardcore leftists in Congress. That's what's coming. And it's even worse because if we know anything looking at history is that there's really no bottom when it comes to leftism. There, right. <laughs> there, there, there's no there's no past, there's no present, there's only a future. And you have to get more and more radical. There's no stagnation. There can be no history. There's only a future. So, you know, it's what we're going to have to like like ask ourselves as Americans you know, what's, what's our destiny going to be? I mean, are we just going to sit back idly by and let this happen to us? Or are you and I and those of us in the younger generation, I'm sure a lot of your viewers, are we going to take ownership of this thing and say, hey, like, here and no further? Are we going to draw a line in the sand? Or are we going to let it fold? I guess we'll see. It's okay for us to offend the truly bizarre. It's okay for us to say, listen, be whatever you want, identify as whatever you want, but we're not all going to tiptoe around all these changing narratives and all this changing biology. At some point, do you? I'm all about freedom. I'm very libertarian in that way. But at some point, it's okay to point things out and say, you know what? This actually isn't the norm. You're free to do it, but it is abnormal, and we all don't have to placate to you. Um, I always tell people this. If parents would tell their kids, you're special to yourself and you're special to your parents, but you're not special to anybody else, I think we'd raise better children. I agree. But the, the problem with that line of thinking, though, is that I think so, so many of us on the right are, we're in the live and let live camp. You know, we just want to be left alone. We want to raise our families. We want to have our jobs. We want to have our little space where we are unbothered and can live our lives the way we want. That's not how the left operates, though. They are... They are like a swarm of locusts trying to kill joy wherever it is. <laughs> that's true. That's what's happened in sports. That's what's happened in the military. You know, I, I think those two institutions are being taken over right now simply because they're like the final frontier for the left. They've taken over the media, colleges, you know, elementary and high schools, uh, you know, uh, Hollywood, entertainment. And so they just, they're looking for the next thing. And it's so culture. Yeah, you're we right. have to get rid of that mentality that we can just live and let live. If we all go to Florida or Tennessee or Arkansas, they'll leave us alone. That, that's just not how it's going to work. So we have to, like as I said earlier, we have to take ownership. We have to say, you know, the side that's gonna, that wants to win is the side that's going to win. 
You know, the, the, the person that wants to win is always going to defeat the person who wants to be left alone. No more spinelessness is allowed. But I'm glad that you brought up sports because I know that you have a ring that I get to wear. So we're going to close it out with that because I have to wear the master Absolutely. ring. Absolutely. you, you got to try there, this thing on. I do. I and think it'll look better on you than it does on me. Well, it's like a thousand times too it's big. It's bigger than your head, but, but it still looks good. That's all right. Well, hey, listen, <laughs> thank you for being here. I hope you have so much fun in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, maybe I'll give this back. Uh, we'll see. If you are in Nashville, though, I always have to plug this. you got to go to Losers. It's the only place to go. Well, I was so. stationed at Fort Campbell. I know Nashville well. Uh, I know Losers probably too well. So You know what? I'm right there with you. Yeah. All right. Up next, L.A. City Council finally did something right, and some liberals aren't happy about it. My final thoughts are next. L.A. City Council bans homeless encampments near schools and daycares. And get this, it was met with an uproar. Finally, the city of L.A. does something right and residents protest? You've got to be freaking kidding me, people. It's time for Final Thoughts. You know, I don't give California politicians a lot of credit, and for obvious reasons. I mean, just look at that state. The only way a region that is beautiful with those natural resources, billion in budget surplus, and the fifth largest economy in the world could be as bad as it is, is due to poor leadership. But get this, L.A. City Council, made up of 15 members, 14 Democrats, and one independent, actually passed an ordinance that bans homeless encampments within 500 feet of schools and daycare centers. It passed the Council 11-3. Yes, that means 10 Democrats and one independent actually had the good sense, the common sense, to step back and say, you know what, I don't think drugged out and increasingly violent homeless people should be able to pitch tents near children. What a concept, right? This amendment to an existing ordinance also prohibits the homeless, freelance humans to be more politically correct, I suppose, from pitching tents and other makeshift abodes within two feet of fire hydrants, within five feet of any operational entrance or exit, and within 10 feet of a loading dock or driveway, or anywhere that interferes or restricts passage as required by the Americans with Disabilities Act. Oh, and last but not least, in the freaking street or bike path. You know, call me a stickler, call me heartless, call me a Republican, but I don't really think that's too much to ask. But apparently, I've been out of L.A. long enough to have forgotten that libs, no matter how ridiculous the scenario, are going to lib. When Councilman Joe Buschiano rose to speak at the meeting, he was interrupted and heckled by members of the audience chanting, Shut it down! They actually prevented him from even speaking, and the council had to take a recess due to these morons crowding in the chambers accusing the council of criminalizing homelessness. Welcome to L.A., folks. You can't make this stuff up. Even when you have a few L.A. Democrats willing to make changes to protect children, you have their fellow liberals chastising them for it. Newsflash, the homeless, I'm sorry, freelance, unhoused humans in L.A. are not all or even majority just poor and down on their luck. They're more often than not either drug addicts, mentally unstable, felons who've been released thanks to soft on crime policies, or a combo of all or any of those. And P.S., many of these individuals refuse to go to shelters because guess what? Shelters have rules, and rules many of these people refuse to abide by. Of course, we have compassion for those people, especially those that are veterans or truly suffering with addiction and mental health issues. But the solution isn't to allow them to set up camp anywhere they damn well please. 
is dangerous and it's unfair to the children, students, teachers, business owners, and everyday Californians who have to step over homeless people, their needles, their urine, their feces, and their makeshift housing just to enter a building or a school or daycare facility for crying out loud. Taxpayers voted in a $1.2 billion bond for homeless housing and still they have to put up with this and worse when even Democrat leaders have the good sense to attempt to put a stop to the most egregious aspects of all this, they are labeled monsters, shut down, and shamed for it. Only in California, my friends. My goodness, no wonder people are leaving. And those are my final thoughts from Nashville. God bless and take care.